five, four, three, two, one. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. See if they could work together when we needed them to. To fight the battles that we never could. Welcome to the journey through infinity on the Jenny position. My name is Jenny. I'm here with my three handsome co-hosts, Tim and Justin and Scott. How are you guys tonight? Who goes first? I'm uh, good. <laughs> me too. Happy as ever to be the deuteruses to your uterus. Dear. <laughs> Damn it. You stole my next one. All right. Oh, yeah. fine. Thinking with that same mind. That's yeah. how, they, uh, how we do it here. How are we basically the same person? I don't know. I'm uh, sad. I feel bad for you. That's the case. Could be could be accused of groupthink on this mm. uh, podcast, mm. but we'll find out once we uh, dissect this next film here in our journey. Through the infinity. journey. Thank you. Our, it's our journey through infinity. Though. Our the journey. Mm. <laughs> so the our next, the. The next film is... Um, the Avengers. Mm-hmm. So, the Avengers. The Avengers. Um, wow. I believe it's known as uh, Marvel's The Avengers Marvel's if you live the in the Avengers. UK, due to like trademark reasons. Really? Mm-hmm. Was there a Something. previous The Avengers in the UK? Well, it's weird because I mean we had a previous Avengers film that had nothing to do with this property mm-hmm. or the. Uh, uh, who was it? Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman. I well, think. It was based on a. It was based on a UK show from the sixties. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's based yeah. on that show. Um, in the UK, actually, this was titled. The official title in North America is Marvel's The Avengers. In the UK, it was Marvel Avengers Assemble. Wait, what? Avengers Assemble. Yes, thank you, Scott. The title of it in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. So you just spared us some tweets, I think. Very good. <laughs> good. I actually kind of like Avengers Assemble better, if I'm being honest. I don't hate it. I mean, good well, I don't either. So, anyway. Anyway, it's the sixth movie, and mm. it is one of those that has that trope that I really like in all of storytelling, which is you have individually... Um, met all of your different guys. And then in this chapter, we're going to put all of our guys together. And we all have, we all know um, all the other, pretty much all the other characters in this, in this one. So we don't have to sit through any type of origin story and we can kind of get right to the fucking, like I like to do. Um, <laughs> but we do get to see, um, Thanos in the very beginning of this movie. Um, had we we hadn't seen him before, had we? In anything else? Well, we we don't exactly see him until the very very end. That reveal that mid credits reveal mm-hmm. establishes oh uh, this 
this guy's purple? Who could this be? Oh, wait. Right. I'm a long-time Marvel fan. I'm an Avengers reader. This has been Thanos behind the scenes, the man behind the curtain that we've been dealing with all this time. But mm-hmm. certainly in that opening scene, uh, he's kind of vaguely alluded to. We know that Loki's going to be central antagonist of this film, mm-hmm. as he was in Thor, making a pretty cool return. Uh, but yeah, this is this is the, the first hint that there's this higher power out there, right? And uh, he doesn't even get a name. We just, we see the face. But, I mean, anybody who's familiar with this film series up to this point, which is basically the entire world, knows Not that me. that is... <laughs> I was going to ask yes. Justin, what did you think about that? Well, I knew who he was just because I've seen like pictures. That's what I asked. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I knew that it was him. Um, I was actually wondering if everyone else. That's my note here. Does everyone know who he was? Sounds like it. Uh, <clears throat> so I didn't know when he popped up and when he became a thing. Like what I didn't know was that he was pulling the strings behind everything like that. And I don't think they actually make that that clear unless I just missed it. No, that there's a guy actually controlling all this stuff. Um, because Loki, obviously, you know, it all starts with him trading the Tesseract and then he ends up taking it back, uh, and, um, open the wormhole and he goes to earth. Right. So it, like everything in the beginning, it, this happens to me a lot at the beginning of these movies, right? A lot of it is very confusing to me. Um, as they're setting the stage, uh, so I did know who Thanos was, but I didn't know he was like the guy behind kind of orchestrating all this stuff. And that's actually not yeah. going to be for a while in this journey. I'll be, I'll be honest with you all. And that's that's a very good point, too, because, I mean, I, I'm saying he's he's the guy behind the scenes here, but this film itself doesn't directly establish that. It's It's more of a just an Easter egg for if you get it, you get it, fans of... Uh, the characters are, are going to recognize him. And he, uh, to be honest with you, even sitting there in the theater, it still took me a beat to say, oh, purple guy with a wrinkly ball sack chin. It's going to be Thanos. Well, because, um, and, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't settle for me for a while because there is one <laughs> later in another movie down the line um, where Tony says, like, six years ago, this guy came to Earth and fucked, like, and I, was trying, I had to think, like, when was that? When did he come? How did they know it was him? Like, it's still not clear to me. The only time he's really referenced is in, like, one particular series. Like, so even that, like, didn't yes. stick out to me. Like, I don't feel like they make it clear at all at all that Thanos was, like, orchestrating this stuff. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, it's a big retcon, really. Yeah, I mean, I think they wanted to kind of stretch that out as far as they possibly could. I don't even know if we knew at this point or if Marvel knew at this point who the actor that was going to play Thanos was, because wasn't he, like, when we first see or know of this alien existence, that it wasn't him, wasn't somebody else. Somebody else either voiced him or um, or actually played I'm trying to remember if you, I don't even think you saw his face, I think you just saw him talk. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the actor that it would end up playing, which will obviously refer to no, the line he has like a throughout this movie there's like a, a viceroy who right I, I think he's just referred to as the other the or other, something yeah. the he other, doesn't yeah. really have a name but he gets all the the lines uh and seems to be calling the shots i think they refer to our ally again in just very vague terms but 
you don't actually see Thanos himself until that one shot uh, again in that mid credit scene. And it, I mean, all he really does is smile to let you know, yeah, bitch, that's me. <laughs> but I don't think, but the, but I don't think that at the time, Marvel, Feige, and all them knew mm-hmm. who was going to play Thanos down for the long haul, which we know who it would. Be. Uh, we'll mention he, that when we get there. But um, no. that's why I think the close up was tight. And the, the, the turn and smirk was not, was kind of, no, I don't say generic, uh, ambiguous, so you really couldn't tell who it was. I think we all, I mean, like someone like JR who didn't read the books, I mean, I kind, we all kind of knew, if you read the books, kind of knew who it was. You, we just weren't sure when he was going to pop up, for those that, that have read the books and know the story. Um, you kind of knew at some point he was going to show up, you just didn't know when or where. Um but I, I give credit to the to the um, to the people the Marvel people for kind of stretching it out to give everyone a chance to really uh, the audience to kind of get accustomed to this group. I mean, we've seen Tony now twice. Um, we've seen Thor once. We've seen now we've got Cap fresh in our minds. Um, really, the only one that we really need to establish is. Natasha, because we really didn't get too much of her as herself mm-hmm. in the second Iron Man. So I think we, I think, I mean, we'll get we'll get more into this throughout the show. But I feel like they wanted the audience to really get to know them as a group uh, before we got into who the real enemy is, because most comic dorks knew who the the head honcho was. But again, someone like Jr. who didn't read the books and didn't have a clue uh, would get to know eventually. But I think they wanted to establish the Avengers as a team for the audience before getting to that point where we know who the villain is. And so they give us this uh, earthbound villain in Loki um, Mm -hmm. sort of with the Tesseract and he's infecting other people like Hawkeye, who we don't really know that much about and um, Selvig um, and turning them, you know, kind of evil with his yep. powers. Um, but we know Loki, so he's and he's a good focal point for this new team to rally around, especially with the Thor connection. Mm. Um, was this story with um, Loki being like the, kind of like the plaything of, of Thanos, was that comic book based at all, Tim? Is that a story? Or is this new for, him, not, for the film? Not, dire- not directly. Uh, there aren't any big comic stories where... Loki is serving as like a lackey of Thanos or anything. They've they've never really connected the histories or the destinies of these two characters in the way that the film series does. Um, having said that, Loki was the the villain of the very first issue of Avengers, going back to 1963. Oh, okay. So in that sense, yeah, in that sense, it is keeping with the comics. Uh, And I mean, it's funny that they do that, because the Avengers, certainly in its early goings as a comic, um, is not well regarded by anyone. (laughs) Like, if you listen to... (laughs) Over on uh, Blakes Me Nation Pop, if you listen to the Marvel Age podcast, cheap plug for me, I'm mm-hmm. one quarter of that. I mean, we've spent pretty much um, the entirety of the 10 years of publication we've covered on Marvel Age just shitting on Avengers comics because they've been just such tripe. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So suffice to say, if, if they had changed that and not stayed so true to the comics, I don't think anyone would have cared. Uh, but they do kind of stay true to the character as he's been established uh, in this series of films. So that was something I appreciate and, and really is remarkable uh, considering just the change in writers and directors. It, you know, you've still got the overall studio vision, but uh, as we've talked about in previous episodes of this show, I think that the MCU is still pretty director-driven, not so much studio-driven. And uh, that's impressive. And going back to Scott's point, I was reading something fairly recently, uh, just an interview with Joss Whedon or a quote, where he said that you know he kind of threw Thanos in here as an afterthought. That was not a a studio directive um, at all. It was just sort of hey, let me let me put this in here, see if it takes off. I might you know want to develop uh, this character and this idea in later movies, but you know they can kind of take it or leave it. Um, certainly, they took it and ran with it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty faithful uh, to the comics here. Mm. It's funny too because I didn't, I didn't picture Loki as like a big bad like this. Like he always seems like a secondary. And this, I mean, I've seen four mm-hmm. of these movies at this point, but um, <clears throat> he didn't. He seemed like a lower end heel. So to have him be like the main bad guy in this first Avengers movie definitely seemed a little crazy to me. Like I didn't, I didn't expect him. Like even the the Nazis, you know, or the fake Nazis and uh, Captain America, like that would have seemed more. Of a of a heel thing with Hydra and all mm-hmm. that, like Loki to me definitely seemed, I don't know, just seemed like a B pay per view challenger <laughs> challenger to me. Other than yeah. the first Avengers movie, well, well, I think that was the point. Is that big of a badass in Thor? You know, what I mean, like a he was more of Thor's. Um, <clears throat> I guess he's the you know antagonist, but I don't know. Like the way Thor looks at him, like a a brother that he cares about and a heel, mm-hmm. yeah, made him not seem like a purely bad guy that the Avengers would conquer in their first movie. I think that uh, uh, I think for the movie purposes, I think it was easier to just keep a villain in than to add yet another person or another character out of nowhere when we already know that Thanos is coming at some point. You might as well just throw, like you said, Jr. It's like having you know Samoa Joe wrestle Brock in a middle show before we get to like SummerSlam or whatever. Like I think I think it was just easier to stick Loki in there because he he's already established. And think about yeah, I, I don't. I don't question it at all. Like, I get why they did it. I agree No, with I'm you. just, yeah, and I'm just qualified. Because, I mean, it, it actually kind of makes a little bit of sense because uh, Loki is thirsting for power. Like, he feels like the forgotten guy in Thor's family. He got forgotten by his actual family, the Frost people or whatever. So here's a chance for him to be the son of a bitch, like the motherfucker. And now he's got to sell his soul to this unknown leader or whatever, this other. And then that guy's boss. Anything to look like the the you know the cock of the walk, right? Exactly. Because he's thirsting for it. He wants it so bad. He's tired of being Thor's bitch mm-hmm. that he wants this so bad. So if anything, as much as it does seem like Thor, like Loki's kind of a again a like a upper mid card low main event heel. Realistically, from a story viewpoint, it makes sense that this character is thirsting for attention and power, and he'll sell his soul to anybody. To try to get it, yeah. I guess we just haven't seen oh. him be like vicious. I guess right. to this point, like he's more yeah. of like the trickster guard, right? He's to me, he's always he's just more of like um, 
he's on the heel team as like the the smarmy guy that helps out versus like the actual leader or the top guy. But I mean, we're we're getting too into the weeds on him. Uh, I think Jenny mentioned earlier about the archer who would be Hawkeye. I didn't know who he was for a while. Like he just got. I didn't know if he was good, if he was bad, Um, because the way they kind of play him is the sarcastic tone, which I come to get and understand as we move through these movies. But I didn't. Again, that was another guy. I didn't think they. Unless that was the intent, I didn't think they did like a super great job identifying who he was for a bit there. Yeah, I think mm. a lot of Hawkeye fans got their panties in a twist that uh, <laughs> I love you for that. that he was, yeah. you know, just immediately taken over by Loki, like in one of the first scenes, and then he's right. a bad guy de facto, um, not intentionally, but used in this way by Loki. Yeah, I have to agree with Jr. on that point because I mean I knew who Hawkeye was, but I when I watched it again, I went. Like, he's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. So that's one of those ones, and we t- we've talked about this on past episodes, about, like, the difference between, again, like, we have here in our group, someone like JR who doesn't know any of them from scratch, and then there's the three of us who have an idea, and then who have a lot of ideas. If you didn't know who Hawkeye was, you're like, who the fuck is this guy with a, mm-hmm. like, why is he yeah. such a big fucking deal? If you didn't know who he was. And I, I agree I with JR that they like, really didn't identify that, you know? And I think I figured it out maybe halfway through, just that I knew the Hawkeye name mm-hmm. in my head. You know, like, I, I don't think I'd ever seen him or understood that he was at the event. I just, I knew that was a superhero, or at mm-hmm. least a comic book character. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it, it hit me eventually who it was, but I didn't know intuitively, and they didn't say it, you know? Well, I, I think people can't be expected to remember his two-minute cameo in Thor. <laughs> in Thor yeah. from, was he in like, Thor? Year, yeah. Early, briefly. Yeah. Very briefly. Uh, when Thor was going nuts uh, in the compound that S.H.I.E.L.D. constructed in the oh, desert, yeah. he was he was the guy, he was basically going to snipe him. And, uh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's right. Had a couple of lines, but it, and again, it was one of those, if you get it, you get it, but they never even identified or flushed him out in that movie. So here he is back, and for fans, you're right away like, cool, here's Hawkeye, but he is certainly the least developed of mm. any of the core Avengers uh, going into this, and... For that reason, I I think they kind of used him to good effect, and just having him as this uh, basically cipher more than a fully formed character, just an instrument being used by Loki mm-hmm. until the very end of the movie, where he does get some shine, and I thought got some pretty good shine. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, if any Avenger is going to draw short shrift, then it might as well be the guy with the bow and arrow. I mean, yep. come on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do think they established, uh, I don't know if we find out the name Black Widow yet, but I think mm-hmm. she is well established. Like, we actually get yes. more, but again, she did get the stuff in Iron Man, so it was, you know, we see more of her. But I liked her kind of working the Russian guy over in the beginning. Yeah. Like, it was good. Reintroduction to her character uh, there. And also, why is Coulson always smiling? He's always smirking. Is that just his face? Yeah, I think it is just his face. I think it is. He just has one of those faces. He's just um, so mild-mannered, really. I mean, yeah. you know, he's just going with it. I think it's just, it's a probably a deliberate effort, actually, to just add to his likability so that when yeah. you see him right away, you think, oh, this affable, mm-hmm. good-natured guy. And that certainly enhances uh, what happens to him mm-hmm. later in the film. Exactly. Um, although that's even gotten... yeah. It's, it's, I don't know how far we we want to put it this way. We don't see him again in this series of movies. So, 
Justin, yeah. what did you think of um, the way that Fury and Black Widow gathered the team together? So we got to kind of catch up with Tony and Captain America and um, the Hulk, who, you know, we hadn't seen in, in a while. And uh, what did you think about their, their gathering? They're all meeting. Yeah, no, I thought that was I thought that was well done. Like I didn't. Um, it was it was good the way they did it and brought them all back together, and it makes sense. I mean, it it gives you more insight into Shield's power, right? That they're tracking all these guys and know where they all are. Uh, I don't think they needed to like overexplain that. I thought that was good. It was cool to see too, like how far Iron Man has come in the role of Iron Man mm-hmm. since we last saw him. That was good. Um, we get the debut of self-deprecating emo Mark Ruffalo Banner, so that mm-hmm. that was good. Um, like you said, well, I don't, we haven't seen him at all, right? Ed Norton was the last time we saw Hulk. Right. This is mm-hmm. Ruffalo's debut. So that's good. And uh, I do enjoy um, Agent Coulson, the Captain America mark. Yes. Uh, try to get the pictures mm-hmm. and autographs. Yeah. He's super into the mythology of Captain America. And uh, my last point on this, too, is where – how did Thor get back to Earth? Because when we last left mm-hmm. that movie and we complained yep. about this, they destroyed the – rainbow bridge and all that and made it like this is it right the bifrost like because he's he hasn't seen uh what's jane like right i mean he Mm -hmm. he left her and he was didn't know if he'd ever see her again and now here he is back on earth like nothing ever happened and uh same with loki i guess too but i guess his explanation is the tesseract right open the wormhole so yeah yep but where does how does thor get back there that that part's not really clear Say it's a great question and that is one of those dropped plots where the Continuity, certainly in these earlier films, isn't as tight as it would be later on, Mm -hmm. because that was a very big deal at the end of that Thor movie. Like, it was built up as this big sacrifice for him, knowing that he's going to be now trapped in Asgard, unable to reach Earth again, and could not be reunited with his inexplicable love there. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, there's inexplicable. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I was thinking that Thor might have had a throwaway line. There was. I think he did. Okay, because I, I was well, like, we I still feel like he says something, it. but it's not very good. Loki, really. Loki says something, like right after, because Thor kind of just unceremoniously reappears, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay. Um, You know what? Uh, Maybe Thor got through the wormhole that Loki got through, and we just were supposed to assume that, Maybe. Loki says something like, oh, how much dark energy did Odin have to send? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It was something like that. It was just a line. Yeah. Yeah. And they never say that that's what did or didn't happen. But, I mean, I guess there was an effort to try to address it. But you're right. We don't see that. And it is sort of an important part of Thor's character journey that all of a sudden now he is back on Earth. and. You would think his first priority is Jane Foster, and again, to the film's credit, he has that little meeting with Coulson or somebody with S.H.I.E.L.D., and they're like, yeah, we've made sure that she's secure, you don't have to worry about her safety or anything, and he's like, okay, I appreciate it, but I mean, he never reaches out and goes to see her or anything like that, so it's like, I don't know, Um, I guess it's not his movie, but maybe in retrospect, you don't end his solo film Correct. sort of on the note that you do if if this is where you have to get. Right, he's basically on. trapped up there, and now he's out when he's here with no explanation. So, what? Well, it's just it's, something like you know, had, you know, we've repaired the bridge. I'm back. 
or something, you know? Yeah, he definitely <laughs> says that he had to use dark matter or whatever to... Yeah, no, there was definitely something, yeah. There, there definitely, I don't think it just happened. I think it has something to do with the Tesseract and the and the wormhole. I have We're not getting into this discussion again about <laughs> intuitive stuff for non-fans, but... No, no, I, I mean, it's a valid point. It's just, you know... No, this isn't a non-fans thing. This is just, this is everybody. Yeah. <laughs> everybody needs to know. <laughs> definitely. Um, what did you think? I need to know. I need to know thoughts. Because uh, I have many about... The immediate heat between Captain America and Iron Man. And it is one of the, I think, one of the key relationships in the Mm -hmm. entire MCU. And I think I need to know thoughts. I I thought it made sense because they're the two alpha males, right? Like Mm -hmm. Captain America is like souped up on whatever the fuck they pumped him with. Um, He's the captain. He's the leader. Uh, Everyone's always deferred to him. That was his role um back in the 1940s and now here he is deported here but you know he's still of the mindset of he's the guy in charge tony's obviously he's nothing for nobody um so i think it's natural anytime you put these two alphas together into a group and they got to coexist like there's going to be natural tension and then you got bruce who by nature is reclusive right he's just mm-hmm. doesn't want to be bothered and doesn't want to turn into hulk and doesn't doesn't want the control he just wants to be left alone and then thor who's just like kind of above this because he's an alien he's, so he's just like <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like i'm not gonna give all this bullshit i mean he does eventually you know get some macho macho man stuff between the three of them but he's just kind of his own dude like he's not involved in this petty earth earthling stuff mm-hmm. so um but I, I i mean tony you know right out of the gate with the quips and the way he comments like when he calls thor point break maybe laugh <laughs> and that, that's an ongoing thing so he gives these nicknames to everyone i love it uh I also immediately recognize this is where we get the Tony Stark eye roll meme. Oh uh, yes, is in this movie mm-hmm. based yep. around everywhere. So I was, I was excited. I picked that one up. And they're just fundamentally different, you know, heroes, really. Right. And they have different skill sets. So it's just a nat- like you said, a natural like headbutting issue. But it's one of my favorite things that they ever come up with. In these I need to know. I need to know, Justin. Did you have like an out of body experience at uh, Captain America's? I understood that reference moment. Also, <laughs> another <laughs> great meme maker there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I like that they play. Right. I, we'll see that more later too. That they play up. They he's basically been studying and you know mm-hmm. catching up on yes. everything he's missed over the past sixty years or whatever. Yeah, there were some. Um, deleted scenes with Captain America that sort of were doing more from this movie to establish him as like this man out of time. He doesn't really have a purpose anymore. Doesn't understand things. Doesn't know where he fits in. And I, I get just trimming that in the interest of time and pacing. Uh, so we just get the introduction to him, uh, knowing all we need to know uh, from the ass first, uh, seeing him <laughs> with that punching bag. So you're mm. like, yeah, that's our cap. Mm-hmm. That's America's ass. America's ass. I think the other more most fundamental thing uh, when you're thinking of the two of them is the basic. You have a, a soldier, pro-military, bred to fight. And you have a guy who's a scientist and a civilian who doesn't quite get. He may have sold all that stuff when he was Stark Industries, but he didn't quite understand the military life. So he thinks about it as a civilian scientist. So, you know, he thinks coming up with, um, 
you know, he thinks he thinks Cap is nothing but a blunt force object, and Cap thinks he's a fucking douche smartass. Mm-hmm. And so that that's where the alpha male thing comes in, because one guy thinks of one way to do it, and one guy thinks of another way to do it. And when we get to the next Avengers movie, I think it, it it's accentuated even more because of of what the story is there. But right. we'll get there. But but that's that's what I think. The the other fundamental thing is you have a soldier and you have a civilian. One one thinks one way, one thinks another way, regardless of eras, and um, that'll always that's always like the 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 running commentary between the two of them. You know, there's there's the military kind of blunt force way to do it, and then there's the kind of cerebral well, as, way to do it too. Well, as Cap mm-hmm. calls it, he thinks Tony is just selfish, and Tony thinks that Cap is just sanctimonious. So it's right. You know, mm-hmm. And, and you know, something else that just occurred to me, this is where the history between Steve and Tony's father, Howard Stark, Mm kind of comes into play and and works very well in this modern framework, because Cap remembers Howard Stark as this, you know, guy that he really respected as an ally, but at the same time, maybe there's a twinge of jealousy, as we saw from... uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, the stuff with Howard and Peggy, which it turned out there was really nothing to that, but Mm. still in the back of his mind, he's kind of maybe got that thought, and he's thinking of Howard when he sees Tony, and kind of mentally comparing Tony to his father, and saying, hey, you don't really measure up, and you've Mm -hmm. got some of your dad's worst qualities, really. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I agree with Something that. that people do kind of unfairly, but because it's Captain America, you can't really call him on it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think that that sort of history and that dynamic uh, works very well and plays out between the two of them. Well, let's talk about the tech in this movie because um, it's kind of like a big deal. The like starting with the uh, Avengers Tower or Stark Tower <laughs> that Tony's making in New York. Uh, based on the arc reactor power. So that's like a kind of like a minor becomes major story uh, in the beginning when we first see Tony again. And then we have uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. on this ginormous, um, what you initially think is a submarine, and then it flies into the Mm. air. And it looks awesome as shit. And it's full of cool tech shit. Mm -hmm. It's like space balls in there, you know, in their headquarters. Mm. And, uh, at, to Loki when he gets caught by the team intentionally and is aboard that ship and is caught in this cool prison jail cell sort of thing mm-hmm. that they've got set up. So a lot of cool looking shit. Even the Tesseract is cool. Um, yeah. It's just all very like tech and sci-fi and I dig it so much. And that's something you don't, want or particularly think that they're going to do right out of the gate with a Marvel movie. Like, they don't do that in Iron Man. It stays fairly grounded, even though at the end of the day, it's it's a movie about two guys in futuristic suits of armor mm-hmm. uh, destroying each other. <laughs> but they really lay the groundwork to get there and to, like, secure your buy-in. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, by this point, we've seen gods, we've seen... All of this, uh, all of these fantastic weapons in use in World War Two. So you're kind of ready to go along with anything. Mm-hmm. You're you're having faith that it's not going to come across as 
contrived or you know too CGI? Like, <laughs> too CGI yeah. yeah that too yeah. that these films could definitely be guilty of um, but I, I think like I said they put in the work to get us here um, certainly for me anyway I don't know uh, Justin were you uh, were you all in on how far this film really took things yeah I mean at some point you have to escalate it and I think we talked last time about like you know scott's whole point was to be boring to watch these guys train and practice or whatever else like we didn't really need a movie about them developing all the tech like mm-hmm. i think they've laid enough groundwork as to what shield is capable of and what howard stark stark was capable of in the 40s to get us to this point and what tony's capable of. like that's all been well established right. like once we have a guy in a giant metal suit that can fly across the world in the suit without any kind of other, you know, <laughs> mode of transportation that could fire laser beams. Like, we're to the point now already where we can just assume that this shit's all being created and generated. Mm-hmm. There was one character later that I didn't realize was so involved with the tech, and we'll get there eventually. But for now, like, yeah, it's I'm fine they went as far as it did, and it makes a lot of sense to me that this shit all exists because between S.H.I.E.L.D.'s unlimited uh, infrastructure and Tony Stark's money and power to build this stuff and now that he's focusing that away from weapons and onto defense in this level like it all makes sense to me Mm. Mm. and i i would just say on that point they're to the they're to the stage where you just want to make sure that you put clear rules in place about how this stuff works and try to try to stick to those rules as much as possible just in universe, like what are the limits of what these characters can really do? What is this technology capable of? We don't need to know the nuts and bolts, ins and outs of everything, but you know, you get into these questions like, oh, well, can Thor beat the Hulk? Well, that's sort of fun to take a look at, um, but we don't need to really belabor the point. Um, and some of the stuff at the end, too, that great climax uh the mm-hmm. battle in the city um where you've got all these essentially alien invaders and you're just sort of like uh what are the heroes really up against and does the film do a good job of of getting that across so those are some of the questions i think that subsequent films are are now going to be concerned with more as more so than uh trying to convince you to to buy into what you're seeing on screen. Mm. But I did love to even beyond the tech, like we still get the old school stuff, mainly through Natasha, right? Who's still kind of working the spy stuff. Uh, her like trying to break Loki was a really good scene um, mm. because yeah. he falls into custody pretty quickly. And then of course, Thor releases him because he thinks he can save him and convince him to leave. And that backfires. And then I was, I think it's kind of the first real sad moment of the franchise for me is when Coulson gets killed. Uh, I didn't expect him to go down like this quick. Like they seem like they're really establishing him as a ongoing force in this whole thing. The way he's starting, you know, basically on the ground, boots on the ground for Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't expect them to kill him off as quickly as they did. So that hit you emotionally, did it? Oh, for sure. I've enjoyed him. Yeah. I mean, he was as far as back as Iron Man one. We've had him around, so. Mm-hmm. Did Especially you, uh, that mark out over Captain America, you know. <laughs> did, did you have to uh, take a break, get off the treadmill, excuse yourself? <laughs> yeah, I think I just kept trucking, but I was okay. Mm. Pushed mm. through it. 
Alright. Uh, Alright. Um, action scenes. Uh, this movie yeah. has some of the most iconic action scenes, I think, probably, in the entire MCU. Um, of course, the battle for New York at the end is fucking epic. And mm. um, it's just like, here's an unloading of all the cool shit that we have done thus far <laughs> in our movies. Yep. And we have escalated it as far as your villain goes because a whole fucking army comes out of the wormhole and are ginormous and they look fucking weird and just alien. You know what I'm saying? They do such a good job at making them look mm-hmm. menacing and scary, even just coming out of the sky the way that they do, yeah. you know, just oh, it's kind of a little screen. absurd though. When that snake thing comes out. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So that there's was- sort of what, Going back to the earlier question of, is it a bit too much with some of this stuff? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know if it's too much, um, but it was it was a little goofy. <laughs> just the way it looked. I think it was just the design of it appearing out of the sky. I was like, all right, here we go. I don't know. That was like an oh shit moment for me. I did like, um, before we get to that point, when Hulk and, uh, who was he fighting with um they have the big, like they're fighting and they have the big crash landing and they kind of sit there and shake it off. Like I enjoyed that part of it. Uh, and then the Loki Tony showdown was good too, as far as fights before the big one. When Tony debuts the auto seeking suit, that was good. Oh, yes. uh, when he confronts him in the tower and they're kind of exchanging barbs. Yeah, that's a that's a good character scene between the two of them. And uh, and really yeah, the meeting uh, between. Uh, Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man when they're fighting in the woods. Yes, it's a pretty good fight scene as well. Because you're like, oh shit, they're all supposed to be on the same side, but they really are kind of yeah. going at it. Another very, very comics thing to give you the the mm-hmm. misunderstanding fight between the heroes, mm-hmm. which you had to see in something like this because it's just that that great fanboy question again. What what would happen if? these characters fight. So, I mean, this checks really two of those boxes in this movie. We get the Iron Man versus Thor fight, which is like, oh my God, you know, yeah. <laughs> blowing people's minds. And then you get a, a Thor uh, Hulk fight, which uh, one of those comics rivalries too. I guess the only thing you don't really get is an Iron Man Hulk fight. Mm-hmm. So they're saving that one for... Yes, they are. Other Another day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not totally blowing their wad here, which no. I think is... Yeah, I'm glad. Got to edge it out for a little bit. I just liked Hulk just punching shit and, like, ripping fucking mm. aliens' heads off and, like, jumping on the snake things and just, like, ripping their fucking scale. Th- <laughs> like, that was just awesome. <laughs> like, he just... I think... You know what it was, JR? I think, as absurd as it looked, I think those big snake things were were meant strictly to show that Number one, it's something Hulk could just totally destroy, but to show the the scope, because Hulk's a big dude compared to the other Avengers, mm-hmm. that he's so tiny looking compared to that thing. Right. That, um, and and I think that's one of those, uh, one of those kinds of uh, aliens that in the books, like I feel that's one thing that would be taken right off the page of an issue that it's so fucking huge and and completely like otherworldly. Like, you made a good point, Jenny. It was more the way it emerged versus how it looked. 
just kind of opens up and slides out of the sky. Yeah, this is like ridiculous. Like this massive thing. Like you got all these aliens and these other ships coming out, and then all of a sudden it opens. Like just imagine being there, and then it opens up in this giant. (laughs) Spider. Is it like the uh, the U boat in in the? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was something like that. Like you just didn't expect yeah. it, and then all of a sudden, yeah, this thing just emerges like this absurd looking thing. Um, but the thing, the point that that Jenny made that was that that was really good is that they made it so weird looking that it was truly alien. Like you hit the nail right in the head about that. That it's not. It wasn't something that we could be confused for something like Tony's dad made in the '60s or something. It truly is an alien creature or vessel or whatever the fuck it is. it makes you wonder, is. how the fuck are they going to beat all of this? I mean, because it's yeah. goddamn mass destruction. It is. It's crazy. It's like, I mean, just chaos and nonstop. Like, whole buildings, you know, just smashed, you know? It's just... And it goes on and on. Like, this last scene lasts forever. Yeah. And it's... Yeah. And they do such a good job at, like... Your team is pretty much scattered at that point. Like... Colson's death is what brings them together because they all right. feel bad about that. And you have this massive threat and they're like, oh shit. None of us like each other for real though. Um, we don't really trust <laughs> each other, but who else is going to do this? There's nobody else. Right. So it's, I really like how they kind of resign to work together, but then they, they just do so well in that fight that it just organically comes together. And they, they do a really good job at putting that over. How they start communicating with each other and start working with each other during that fight. And it becomes this... They do that iconic scene um, when they all, you know, assemble back-to-back mm. there. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just like mm-hmm. chills, like, every time. Yep. I think that, you know shit's on when you see yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think also... Um, I, I got one point, then I want to share our question. Uh, I think that... The when you talk about the scene being like just ultimately going on and on and on, I think also at this point, I think Marvel wanted to prove that they were now the standard bearer for the comic movie. Like before that, you think about it. Um, I mean, all the battles in the individual movies are good, but not to this grand scale. Of course, mm-hmm. it's like all of those put together in one. Mm-hmm. But You've before never that, seen it like, like this before, no, absolutely not. And and like the Spider Mans, the Sam Raimi's, yeah, those fights were nice and all, but yeah. You know, and the and the Ang Lee Hulk, eh, was good, but not to this scope. Um, and I think they did that on purpose. I think they made it that crazy, Jr. And I think they did the giant fucking snake thingies just to prove that that we're here to stay and we're pumping whatever. What was the total? Two hundred two hundred and twenty million of this budget is going to go into these last twenty five minutes or whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you something, Jr. Because you're the one who watched these the freshest. As you were, you were saying, Jenny, about the organic coming together of these these um, superheroes or these heroes who don't necessarily like each other, nor do they entirely trust each other. Do you find this? Did you find this Jr. this coming together of these heroes more organic than the Defenders? Because if you watch the Netflix show, the four of them barely liked each other either, and they got together to beat up Sigourney Weaver and all of them and all of them. Did you, which, yeah. Did you, which did you find more or less organic between the coming together of those groups since they both almost came together the same way? I think I was most annoyed that they didn't establish who Sigourney Weaver was before that series, but <laughs> um, I think this made more sense because shield existed right. to bring them together. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one almost seems like too coincidental. 
But on the other hand, it also seems a little natural because they're all kind of in the same area. It would make sense they'd all respond to this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a minute since I watched the Defenders, so I don't like I don't recall, recall the exact specifics of how they all formed, but I think they also all kind of ended up there, right, to fight at the same time. And that um, office, but yeah, yeah. And yeah, they were so, all like pretty known, you know, in that neighborhood. Jessica was known, you know, right. Cage was known. Right. So I think Danny was this, known. Yeah. This seemed more organic only because the the story existed to bring them together, whereas Shield has kept tabs on these people with these powers and is working to actively bring them together. It's not like they all just stumbled into each other right. one day and they started fighting Loki. So, no, that's a good point. Yep. Yeah. Like also, that. this movie, I'll say, was um, definitely turned me on Hulk, which I expected it to. Uh, a lot of the issues I, I explained when we talked about the first Hulk movie, uh, I thought were solved here. He wasn't as comically big and, mm-hmm. man- and huge. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he's a little bit more. I think he looks... And I think they refine this too as we go, but he looks just like Mark Ruffalo yeah. enhanced yeah. versus the other one like didn't look like Ed Norton at all. You know, it mm-hmm. just looked like a giant monster. So there's a little bit of humanity who worked in and I I just much prefer Ruffalo in this role. Like oh, yeah. his self deprecating oh shuck stuff mm-hmm. just plays better for what Banner should be. Mm-hmm. Uh and when he says I'm always angry, you know, like that that was a good line. And um I like Cap saying Hulk smash too to get him to beat the thing <laughs> that was great i love that i marked it that and then the few scenes late here like loki catching the arrow was was great and yes. then hulk just ragdolling the shit out of him was really good <laughs> oh too. my god <laughs> i love that scene so they really do a good job in the final like however many minutes here getting hulk over uh in this role after that shaky solo movie like, i thought they did a good job and they'll do more too there's mm-hmm. more to come where they mm-hmm. refine him and make him more the more human they make the Hulk character, like the better he becomes in my eyes. Instead of just yeah, being a human that becomes this crazy monster, actually having the Hulk show humanistic qualities makes him, I don't say relatable, but this makes more, more sense. empathetic to him. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is where they start doing the motion capture for the Hulk. Yeah, just, so, so the technology also is, mm-hmm. is just improved on that 2008 film where he's sort of looks like a video game character yeah right uh, so that that is going to go a long way too um and as far as the the comparison to this and defenders you know here it's it's interesting the approach they took to this story where we've kind of been building up to shield is putting together this team of extraordinary people it's called the avengers initiative so We've already got this foundation in place. We've met the character, certainly. Uh, And yet, they kind of walk it back by saying, oh, we had to scuttle that project. You know, like, it didn't work out with with Tony Stark, so it was sort of like, oh, our funding got pulled. It was almost one of those (laughs) types of deals. And uh, so the film is very much the story of, here's why we're going to justify the existence of this team. So you know the characters, here's how they now come together. And it really doesn't matter like what Nick Fury was doing in all these other movies that you may or may not be familiar with. If you at least know the characters, then we'll give you the story of how and why they are now going to be working together as a team. So uh, I kind of had mixed thoughts around that going into the film, but the way that they ultimately told that story i thought was was very fitting worked tremendously uh, especially with 
the Colson stuff where, you know, he gets killed halfway through and it's, it's sort of this, they needed something to avenge. So now we're even justifying the name, <laughs> which I mean, didn't have to be done, but I still mm-hmm. kind of appreciate. Mm. What do you think about characters like Hawkeye and Natasha and Cap who, you know, they're great. Really, really yeah. What are they doing? You know, mm-hmm. with this great cosmic, you know, they can't fly. They're not like Hulk, but they're on the ground. They're talking to the cops. Cap's like, y'all do this and y'all do this. You know, Hawkeye's doing his explosive arrows and shit. Does it work? You know, do it? Do we like seeing those grounded moments? Yeah, for me it did because obviously it made it made sense to have that in there. Like because if not. Especially because um, Natasha and I mean I guess Nick Fury and and Hawkeye like they're they're the experienced Shield members mm-hmm. right these other guys are all kind of new to this whole thing mm-hmm. so they know how to they should be the ones on the ground working it because without them you just have these superpower guys flying around and we see later that obviously fall on the wrong side of I guess the law if you want to say mm-hmm. or the the government mm-hmm. um, like having that governor in place makes a lot of sense to me so having the experienced people on the ground running the show while they can't go up there and combat hand to hand they can use their smarts and experience to win it so i thought it made a lot of sense and that's one of those age-old questions from the comics too why do you even need six other avengers when you've got a thor on your team right. who is a literal god mm-hmm. and the the movie takes great pains to address that and so just in how long as he said that that epic climactic mm-hmm. uh, fight scene is in the city with you've got the big of course Leviathan things. I thought it was great that you saw you saw the power on display of Thor, of Iron Man, of the Hulk, where mm-hmm. individually, like I think all three of them take out one of those big snake things. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That's a great use of them. Kind of keeps them occupied while all this other shit is happening. Uh, Cap is really calling the shots, earning his keep as leader. Mm-hmm. Hawkeye is doing reconnaissance. He's like up on the buildings and just relaying this tactical information to his teammates. Natasha sort of sort of gets over by uh, you know being the one to to reach Loki on the roof. Right, right. Uh, so she gets her moment too. So everybody got some nice shine and, and justified their presence, their role in the team. And that's a hard thing to do when you've got this disparity of personalities and power levels, too. And even though Thor is a god, like, we haven't seen him yet. Like, it's been established that he doesn't really understand his full powers. You know what I mean? Like, he's still kind of wisecracking. He's a young guy. Like, Odin's even said, like, you're kind of not ready for this. Um, And, like, we'll see later, like, where he's taught, like, just how strong he can be. So I think, mm-hmm. too, like, we haven't seen, like, full Thor yet. So, like, he can't just, you know, clap his hands and right. sh- lightning bolts and destroy everyone yet. Like, yeah, it, yet. it seems to take something out of him when he does pull that big feat and just calls down the lightning to blow that thing up, mm-hmm. which, I mean, he does it, but he's, he's sort of feeling it afterwards. So, yeah. I really they, like I think, how Bruce shows up, like, halfway through on his little raggedy-ass motorcycle, <laughs> and he walks up to the team and says, so, this is all horrible. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. And I did think, too, um, you mentioned all the shine everyone gets. Tim, like, I thought Hawkeye really got put over strong for a guy that kind of looked like right? a goof early. 
Um, mm-hmm. they, they definitely rehab him late by when he, you know, he gets broken for the spell and he gets out there to kind of do his own thing. I thought they did a nice job of, um, really establishing him as a guy that can hold his own and a key player of the Avengers, not just like a low level guy. Exactly. That's why those Hawkeye fanboys can shut their asses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I came out of there thinking he was strong. So, yeah, I agree actually. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so other than that, I just I thought the end was great. Obviously, you assume Tony may be sacrificing himself. He falls through the wormhole just in time. And then Hulk, Hulk saving him was a great moment. It where he dives out, catches him. And so, I thought it was a really good final fight. So here's something I'll throw out there again to Justin. Did you feel this lost anything for you by just not seeing it in the theater? Do you sort of look back and go, ah, I wish I could have been on the ground floor just to have experienced this on the big screen. Um, I don't miss that. I didn't experience on the big screen because even though I'm watching on my phone, like it's still, <laughs> and like, I mean, I'm on like the smallest screen possible to watch on this, right? So I mean, like, <laughs> but so the snake's not really that big, <laughs> but still, like where I'm at, I'm not looking up. Like I'm, I'm focused on like the edge of an elliptical, right? So like, it's, it's kind of a big screen of where I am. And, with my earbud, like my earpods, like what, like the sound is really good. So I'm still very lost in it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't think I needed to be surrounded. What the one thing I do regret is not being part of, um, everyone who got to experience it together. Mm-hmm. Like it's fun to read it yeah. now. And you guys are all great. Like talking yeah. about it with me and humoring me and more and more people are coming out of the woodwork as I post these pictures. Like I've met people. I didn't know, like, you know, my buddy Don is like my one of my best friends. Like we've never talked about this, and I didn't realize he had seen all the movies and is super into it. You know, so like I did, I discovered that a few months ago. My cousin's husband, I didn't think he was into this. Like we were together this weekend and talking about a lot of it. Um, so and even Josh Richard messaged me. I didn't know he was into these. She's <laughs> like, oh, wait, you get the Infinity War, and I'm really enjoying the pieces. Like so, even Ben Morris is re- so. It's like it's kind of cool to see the reach I've had and. Part of me is upset that I didn't get to experience this with everyone, but I don't know if I knew that many people at the time. That like I don't know how much I really missed out on. I guess is my point because I don't. I probably wouldn't have known that many as many people as I know now mm-hmm. into this, which is why I'm really looking forward to watching, you know, Black Widow in the theater and being part of kind of the next generation of these movies coming out. Oh yeah, I'll be able to actually able to interact with everyone as it's going on and be excited. So I'll be caught up and I'll be where everyone else is at when we reach there. But like I did see what everyone went through with Endgame. Um, just through the website when you guys were all doing the podcast and, mm. you know, being part of that conversation. Uh, like, that part of me was like, eh, you know, it would have been cool to be part of that. Because I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but I like going just so I'm part of, like, the moment. Uh, and so that's one thing I do wish. Like, I wish I was caught up at, up to that point. Am I upset? Like, I didn't see Iron Man 2 when everyone else saw it? No. But some of the, <laughs> sure. the later ones, I'm kind of there. Uh, so I'm excited to be caught up. So that's, that's more to me than, like, then maybe that'll change which I actually see it on the big screen, you know, because I haven't seen it, so I don't really have a frame of reference. Right. Um, at some point, I'll watch some of them maybe on my big TV with my soundbar and my 4K <laughs> instead of my phone. But for right now, my life dictates I watch it at the gym. So. You know, and who would have yeah. known that this would have become, you know, what it did? Yeah. And everybody, it would be like I a know. huge phenomenon. Everybody would get caught up in it. I mean, from right. dinky old Iron Man. Like, you know, yeah. there's no way you yeah. would have known to like get on this, really. Well, it's like of uh, Disney's big acquisitions in recent memory, you know, you had Marvel, you had Pixar, you had Star Wars. I think 
Marvel was the one that investors would look at as, eh, maybe they can hopefully make their money back. It's Disney. They can probably do something with it. And yet, like, it's totally carried the brand yeah. <laughs> hugely. Like, right. even far exceeding not only its own expectations, but, you know, outpacing Pixar and Star Wars. I mean, who could see that coming? Who thought we'd be living in this kind of world? So, And it's cool. I mean, like, I've definitely gotten, I've gotten sucked back into it more so than anything i mean i get really into breaking bad but that's not really like a fan culture thing you know this was like that was a great show but like since a, being a wrestling fan growing up have i not been in, like and maybe this because my son is like fringy into superheroes so it helps but mm-hmm. like i was working hard to convince him to get the avengers lego instead of the other one that we got over the weekend for his birthday <laughs> uh for even sure. like they had the whole figure aisle at Target, and I was like looking at them, like, "Oh, it'd be kind of like I'm not gonna do it because I, I can't get sucked into like doing more shit like this." But yeah. oh my God. like, I really wanted yeah. to buy a bunch of them, you know. Like, and I haven't really had that pull, even with wrestling figures anymore. I don't get that because it's just so overwhelming with so many of them. But not since like I was a kid into wrestling, collecting stuff, have I been like this kind of into a culture. Get your kid to buy buy uh, comic action figures so you can play with them. Basically. Yeah, like we're gonna get there. I think he's gonna get there. Yeah. Like I definitely try and push things on him sometimes, and he, I just don't think he's like, you know, he's not into that enough yet. Yeah. But it's only because I can't show it to him. Like, and this is where we're at. Like, just because of him. Like, I'm not saying a kid who's five can't watch this stuff, but my kid probably shouldn't watch oh, this sure. stuff at five based on <laughs> how he is. Um, so, like, the most he's seen is, like, little cartoon stuff here and there. Uh, like, he knows all the characters, just from shit he sees, I think, on, like, YouTube and stuff. But, like, I don't, I'm not ready to sit down with him and watch, like, Iron Man yet. He's Iron Man. Well, there, are, there are kid versions of this stuff that I think I know. I'll get there. Okay, you know? Yeah. And this has been good for me to, like, learn them all for when right, he's, right. like, I can point out and say, like. You like, can we know cool everything. Moment. Yeah, we had a cool moment last week where I taught him about Doctor Strange. He didn't really know who he was. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was explaining it to him, and I was showing him what he looked like, and then we made our own Lego Doctor Strange out of pieces we had. So like, that was kind of, you know, now he's been super into Doctor Strange, and when we were looking at the Lego sets over the weekend, he found him in one of them. I was like all excited that there's actual Doctor Strange figure. So, like, we're getting there, you know, eventually. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, I gotta explore more of that stuff as he gets a little bit older. He's just, he's very aggressive, so I just gotta watch myself a lot of that stuff. As you can imagine, this this was one of those big theater moment movies mm-hmm. with just, I remember that, uh, yeah yeah thinking back to some of the like the first meeting between iron man and thor like you said jenny and i mean how it started off comedically uh, what are we doing shakespeare in the park like, it's just <laughs> so great uh the helicarrier fight and crash mm-hmm. with thor and uh thorn hulk uh that panoramic shot oh. of just the team in action which mm-hmm. had had never been done before you never saw anything like that um and of course the big applause moment of uh hall cragged on loki yeah. like i have never heard a oh, theater so erupt great. like that. yeah so great <laughs> um, it's just one of those things that i mean a lot of the stuff yes it's fan service but it's also just vindication for mm-hmm. people who have this has been a lifelong interest for so many people and you've seen a lot of failed attempts too. I mean, we've suffered through earlier, can't even call them film treatments, but direct to video (laughs) 
treatments that left a lot to be desired. And to see him really get it right and to get it this right uh, was very mind-blowing. I mean, just one of those collective experiences that you have with humanity in a good way that uh, it's kind of rare. So anyway, all that is to say, I, of course, uh, love this movie. Um, and I don't know. Where does that where does that leave us, Jenny? Well, um, Scott, do you have any other final thoughts? Uh, I thought it was a, again, I think I'm glad that the, that the final battle was that epic. And we now have, now that, like I said at the beginning, now that I think the, the viewer um, has appreciated the collective now of the Avengers and even the secondaries, now we can take the next step to who is the ultimate villain, who is the puppet master here. Um, the master puppeteer on the stage of master puppeteer on the stage of fools. <laughs> Wait, I even paused for you. I even paused for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I, it was just a. It was. Uh, it had its moments. Um, I wouldn't say it's the best of the Avengers movies, but we'll, I know we'll do our grades in a minute. But uh, it was just well put together, and the, the the lines drawn in the sand about the various guys and, and the, the 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 Tony Cap dynamic gets started and. No, they did a really good job of putting it all together after this first phase. Yeah, I mean, at the time, it was everything. Like, it was just mind-blowing. Nobody had ever seen anything like this before. And everybody was just... I mean, didn't it make, like, a billion dollars? It was, like, one of the first... A billion and a half. A billion and a half dollars. I mean, that is fucking insane. It Um, is. But, and then it also just elevates the bar more and more like you just keep going and you expect this quality and more this quality Mm -hmm. and more and all of it just keeps (laughs) getting ramped up so but they keep meeting those bars and it's it's amazing to watch it's also kind of one of the last um i guess we get a few more but it felt like kind of one of the last before we really start to build the continuity within the universe like yeah it just very much felt like it could have been like a one standalone movie kind of like defenders right it was a standalone series and then Mm -hmm. they all go back in their own merry way like this could have just been one to show them all together then they all go separate ways right um because there really isn't a lot of tie here which besides the thanos tease at the end is not a ton of ties to what's to come it could have very much have lived as its own here was this major threat they all came together and watered it off and now we're back to just them doing their own stories yeah, I'm glad they did not do that. Right. We I'm know. And sad. One thing we didn't talk about, I know we have awards to get to, but mm-hmm. I don't want to rust sleep on this. Um, Please don't. Calling the audible here. Uh, directed and written by Joss Whedon, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we feel about that? Because he did this movie, he did Avengers Age of Ultron, the sequel, mm-hmm. uh, then kind of walked away. Mm-hmm. And. Um, Certainly one of those creators with a lot of geek cred behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, notable for Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie and series, which I never really could get into. I did uh, Okay, I was wondering that. And, of course, you had Firefly. Which I which, did love. <laughs> oh, love Firefly. Yeah. Awesome. You know so y'all are those obnoxious Firefly, Firefly yeah. fans. Yep. You, um, at least you're not as bad as Hawkeye fans. It's all right. No, um, <laughs> I just, I just never. Uh, <laughs> cry, baby. Cry, baby. 
I, I just never really watched it. But I mean, I have read some of his comics. Like he mm-hmm. he wrote pretty acclaimed run of X Men in the early two thousands. So I had pretty I had a lot of confidence in him as a writer, and I was just surprised that Disney Marvel Studios had the faith in him to pull off this massive tentpole blockbuster movie because he hadn't done a lot in film and they're pretty much handing him the keys to the kingdom here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I was just wondering if you guys had any sort of background. Well, uh, Justin, I know you of course do, uh, with, uh, Joss Whedon. <laughs> I'm going to sit this part out. <laughs> well, it's like you said earlier, they're still making director based films. So, mm-hmm. I think that is just another, you know, Joss Whedon, like you said, has all that nerd cred. So it's just, and I'm sure he presented well, you know, when they're sitting in the rooms talking about this shit. I'm sure that that was part of it is he was very passionate about it. And um, so, and he's a, I think he's a pretty actor based director and Mm -hmm. probably Mm -hmm. got along with everybody really well too. So um, you know, it's not really surprising that he didn't want to keep getting caught up in the machine because they will go away from the director. Um, yeah, having angle. like same alter directors. Right. I mean, until you get to the later movies, but um, yeah, I think they kind of fluctuate a little bit in the middle there. And the writing feels different in this versus other films too, where. Like, it, it still has that same tone of blending, like, comedy and action and mm-hmm. drama. But um, it's not, I mean, it's weird to say that for a Joss Whedon-written film, it's not as quippy as some of the other ones. Like, it's funny as all get out, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't do that thing where I think other movies kind of almost stop to insert a laugh track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, a they feel almost sitcom-y and mm-hmm. how funny they are, where this one is more, I don't know, it feels, the comedy feels a little bit more organic and driven from the characters and the yes, character interactions. Yes, definitely character-based. That may be me being artsy, snob, whatever. But oh, totally. It does sort of come across to me, look, looking back at this and comparing it to more recent movies, which I'm not saying are better or worse, just it stands out. All right. Okay. Thread killed. Very right. good. Um, <laughs> Baron Corbin belly shot. Um, <laughs> Talking navels. Here we go. The part everybody's been waiting for where right. we uh, forget what we rated all of our other movies. and um, Not me. Yeah, no, not Hold you. Up. We got spreadsheets, don't we? I need to make a fucking spreadsheet. I need an assistant. Does anybody know how many hot assistants so. that I can have? Um, you need a Natalie Rushman, huh? I sure do. Um, I, I have my rankings, but the more I'm sitting here thinking about Avengers, I might I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I want to put Iron Man number one. You but, do you follow your heart. But I just, I, I fucking don't know. I'm going to give this one an eight. I'm going to put it this, all right, Jenny, Jenny, um, Iron Man, you gave Iron Man an eight, if you don't, if you don't remember. Yeah, I was thinking I did. Um, yeah. Shit. 
think I'm going to do an 8.25 on this one. Okay. Um, you did it. And then we can do our rankings later. So everybody just do their grades. Okay. So eight and a quarter mm-hmm. for Jenny. Uh, Scott, what do you give it? Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I it, it wasn't the perfect movie. Um, I give it seven and a half. Uh, they'll be better down the line. They'll also dip. Uh, the Avengers movies have up, have ups and downs for me. Mm. Uh, this one is is solid. It's a solid combo for all the other characters. They get better, but they also get worse. Um, mm. But this is a this is a good a good way to finish off the first phase. Um, I mean, I gave both Iron Man one and two eights, and they're high on my list right now. Movies will pass those. Um, uh, particularly when we get to the second phase, I know one in particular will pass it, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a good, a good storytelling, a good way to combine them together and realize they work well as a team. So I give it seven and a half. All right. Justin, what say you? So Iron Man one, I give an eight and then, uh, very controversially Iron Man two, I went eight. On the podcast we did, I gave it eight and a half. I've since adjusted it down to eight and a quarter, which is still above Iron Man 1, uh, which I know is against many people's views. Hulk was a four out of ten, so we can put that to yeah. the bottom. Uh, yeah. Thor was an eight out of ten, and then I gave Captain America seven and three quarters, if you recall. So yes. my previous high is Iron Man 2. It has now been surpassed by Avengers, which is a nine out of ten for me. Okay. Well, See, I think that's apropos. Because... I think you, I th- no, go ahead. Well, um, my highest previous grade to date, I'll say, was Iron Man. And actually, I was apparently the highest on Iron Man. I gave that a nine yeah, and a quarter. you did. So I am going to give Avengers. Yep. It's as good as an NXT TakeOver. This is a 10 out of 10 movie. Oh, wow. my God. Wow. It's a 10 out of 10. I don't, have a moment's, I don't have a moment of hesitation in saying that either. I don't think it's a perfect film, but it is a perfect film for me. Mm. So mm. on that basis, um, yeah, that soars right to the top of my list. Do I even consider it my favorite in the series? Well, that remains to be seen. Mm. But I am giving it a 10. See, I feel like once you give a grade, then that should be the grade. But I don't know. I kind of want to give you a pass because I'm watching all these and grading them retroactively. And you're Mm. not, Justin. So maybe I'm being a little bit cuntish and feeling that way. But... I see you being very cuntish. Yeah. I'm I'm learning my scale. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what a 9 or a 10 is. But as I'm seeing these... You know, my, my other option is to go beyond a 10 for some of these, you know what I mean, which I'm not going to do. So, uh, this is some um, little tweaks. I'm not dropping dramatically. I just feel like a quarter star shift is okay to keep, unless everything is going to be the same, which I don't want it to be. So, as I'm seeing one movie, and I'm like, well, actually, this one's a little bit better. It's not a perfect score, but I did like this better than Iron Man 2, so that should shift that a little bit. You know, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I haven't changed many, honestly. That's... Only a couple have I changed as I've thought about them. And I would say it's more about thinking about them deeper versus, like, in the moment, finishing it and grading mm-hmm. it, versus saying, you know what, maybe I overrated it in the moment and I should come down a little bit. Well, maybe that will be part of your journey 
through infinity. Everyone has an individual journey. Yes. All right. Yeah. Yours will be constantly changing. It's a, grades. You know, I, I feel like star grades. It's it's a living document, right? Where mm-hmm. it's this is what we do it's with fluid. wrestling too. We it's a fluid. It's mm-hmm. a very fluid thing. You mean? Yeah. I agree. Grading is much, a construct. Much like the e. <laughs> so um, yeah, we. Uh, we're going to watch this continue to evolve. I, you know what? I'm I'm all for everybody throwing out whatever their original grades were, redoing them, rewatching movies. I mean, it's just kind of how we watch things, I feel like, uh, as a people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, look at wrestling. How many how many times have you seen the same wrestling match over and over and right. have your have your if you do star ratings like have that fluctuate just up and down, depending on any number of factors. Mm. So, you know, I'm like, have at it. I think I've, have I changed any of mine? Um, I think I might have bumped Captain America up a little, but I don't know. How is that possible? I, I know. <laughs> Mark that I am. All right, so we're going to add this to our rankings. So we will have six total. Um, my rankings are as follows. Number one, Avengers. Number two, Iron Man. Number three, Iron Man 2. Number four, Captain America. Number five, Thor. Number six, Hulk. Tim. Okay, so I've quite obviously got Avengers. Number one, Iron Man. Number two, Captain America, the first Avenger. Number three, Thor. Number seven, <laughs> just behind it, Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man 2, <laughs> and then Number the Incredible Hulk. Justin. Uh, Avengers, number one. Iron Man 2, number two. Iron Man, number three. Thor, four. Cap, five. And Hulk, six. Scott. All right. I have to, let's see. Um, I think... Iron Man's one at the moment. Iron Man one and two are tied mm-hmm. for first. Um, then Cap, then Thor, then Avengers, then Hulk. All right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting lists. I like how they're all different. I know. Speaking of different, let's plug some shit. Tim, what you want to talk about? Oh, you can find me on many programs here on the Jenny Position mm. Network of Podcasts. So, Jenny, you can probably uh, tell the folks what's coming up soon on your feed. Uh, but beyond that, we also co-host a show on the Place Me Nation wrestling feed. That is also with our good friend Greg Phillips. It is called Talking WCW. Just wrapped up a great edition of that podcast on Diamond Dallas Page, chosen by me. Mm-hmm. And our next episode, chosen by Greg Phillips, <laughs> uh, it's going to be on the Battle Bowl. It sure is. Concept. So we'll Whatever see. Whatever that is, I have no idea. Uh, it's better this way. Um, we'll see if we can get through it. But, um, yeah, let's talk WCW. Uh, We also have the Marvel Age podcast, the aforementioned Marvel Age podcast, that being on Place Me Nation, going through all the great years of Marvel Comics chronologically from the early 60s. We have arrived in the 70s. 
Uh, going to be starting off 1973. Uh, so that will be a multi-part edition covering 1973 on Marvel Age. So look for that. If you want the uh, comic side of the equation here with these properties we're talking about. And you can find me on Twitter. I am at Psyche68CYKE68. How about you, Scott? Uh, I have, uh, besides this wonderful show on uh, the Jenny Position feed, uh, I have shows on the uh, Place Be Nation Wrestling feed, uh, including the Place Be Podcast with this fine gentleman at the table with us, and uh, Place Be Nation's main event, which we just had an episode last week. Um, and uh, there's another show, Jenny, that you and I are on with a couple of other fine gentlemen. Uh, where we talk about some of the deep cuts on uh, in the WWE Network, and I believe we have an episode being put together soon. Correct. Um, yes, so stay tuned for that. Um, I also have a couple shows on the Place Be Nation pop feed also, and you can find me on Twitter, at PTBPodFather. Justin, how about you? Well, besides what Scott mentioned, the Place to Be podcast, uh, I am also available on the North-South Connection podcast network with Chad Campbell. Uh, Wrestling Warzone drops there, as well as Extreme Through a Dance, Jenny. That's our show with John D'Amato. Mm-hmm. That schedule is still kind of filling in, so be sure to search that out and subscribe. North-South Connection uh, should be available on all Podkitcher Alps, Alps apps as well, as well as in the Alps. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Bigelow's Winter Home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, <laughs> yeah, you can also find my written archives at the jtarchives.blogspot.com and on Twitter at uh, God, what the fuck is my handle now? At JT the Pod Guy. So check it out. The Pod Guy. All right. Um, I recently did an AEW Revolution reaction show on the Place We Nation Wrestling feed, and I, I recommend you just don't listen to that. So I don't know why. I'm <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Tim was a fantastic host. Um, Nate Milton and I were wild and out, and um, that's why you should listen to it. <laughs> it was a disaster. Um, <laughs> do listen to Freak Out Drive <laughs> Freak Out Driving. You're on the Jenny position. The next one will be with John Tomato, um, where we watch Carrie. And I'm just remembering that I'll probably have another one before then, but it's fine. Just listen to all the Freak Out Drivers. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jenny Position and the Facebook page, The Jenny Position. So that's it. Thank you, boys. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go hop in my snake, fly back into the portal. <laughs> hop in your snake and fly back into the portal. Something with that big snake. All right. Thanks for listening to the Journey Through Infinity.